Because I feel like a lot of people are more tired and more angry and more irritable than than we all want to be because there's just so much silliness and bullshit just happening where you're like, I just, I just, I, I can't not read the news because I want to know, but Jesus, seriously, this happened? This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is a member of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Ryan Groff, and we're recording in his perennial studio. So enjoy the extra beautiful sound that's being generated right now. You may know Ryan from such bands as 206, The Last Resorts, Turtle Triumph, Ryan Groff and Brent Bird, Green Jenkins, Elsinore, of course, Milford Men. And at some point, you'll hear him with the band, Linnea Crux. Yeah. I don't even know if I said hello. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. So happy to be doing this. Yeah. So happy to be here on your podcast in my studio. Yeah. Today, we're going to be listening to the song, Turn It On, off of the brand spanking new album, A Life in the 21st Century. Without further ado, let's listen to the song. Here we go.
Welcome back. My first and favorite question is, what came first, the music or the lyrics? For this song specifically, mm-hmm. because I am a songwriter who has has, has walked and, and crawled and dragged himself and and thankfully run down both paths many, mm-hmm. many, many times. Yeah. On this song, I would say that it's probably the oldest of the 10 songs in terms of its its inception, its initial spark in my own songwriter brain. Looking all the way back, it probably was coming out of me and into our, our band space about the same time as like Get Your Head Right and Examples of Magnetism. I think that there was a rehearsal at some point. I found that crazy 16th note tremolo riff that just drives and drives and drives and drives. There's like the original rehearsal space demo. It was probably one of our phones in the middle of the room. Like, I, mm. you know, I, I think I didn't even have a room mic set up at the time. I just heard this thing in my brain and it came out and James was digging it and Mark and Brad, Brad, who was the bass player at the time, Brad Threlkeld. And we just kind of chased it for a little bit. And it became part of the stack of demos that sat in my iTunes from the moment we decided to start writing a new record after Push Pull until like a year and a half ago. So it kind of like became something and then was tossed into the, the this is a good song basket and then and then was literally the last one I think that we worked on on the record. You know, it was the, it was one of the last ones for sure to really get to where it is now on the album. So kind yeah. of interesting that it came to be a song so long ago james and i specifically just kept always remembering like there's that one song with the really fast drivey like queens of the stone age vibe Mm. which i think we should keep revisiting and and he and i would just remember to remind ourselves of that so at that point it was predominantly instrumental i'm totally a stream of consciousness mumble vocalizer you know when Uh a song idea comes out i'll you were young you know i'll often get uh, blips on the lyrical radar just by the band and i or just me sitting down with my guitar or at a keyboard which i know is a very common thing for a lot of songwriters i know there's a, a very famous story of paul mccartney was wrestling with lyrics for one of the huge songs it was let it be or or it was hey Jude. i believe it was yesterday we even talked about this last oh, episode yeah, about yeah. Uh, scrambled eggs <clears throat> yeah scrambled eggs right i can't help but adopt that same method because i'm you know i'm a beatles bred songwriter and Mm -hmm. it just makes sense to me to try to get as far as possible as quickly as possible in the moment where the sparks are happening because Mm -hmm. the sparks will go away very quickly you know yeah yeah. so so there's that whole thing of like well in the moment i'm just going to capture something's coming out melodically so i'm going to try to find that and that will maybe drive me toward what it's going to be so then literally via that timeline i mentioned where it came out super early like 2013 ish i would say really it kind of just sat as a demo for a really really long time when james and i both brought up to the rest of the band to mark and, and adam and andy the current lineup hey so there's this one song that we really think is like the one we need to finally work up and now Mm. that we've got the lineup that feels like the band is complete you know it feels like we're we're, we're there it's, it's the next it's the next step of evolution of elsinore i think i think we should we should look at it so then we started working things up and i found the chorus because the the other version the original version had a chorus that always felt very temporal you know always felt like it's just not gonna, it's, it's not it but it, it at least gave me somewhere to go that wasn't that a section over and over and over you know 
So a chorus came, the chord progression came, the vibe change came, the rhythmic feel, and it felt like a chorus. And I found, do you ever get the feeling, da, 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 and I couldn't, I didn't know where to go. And then gradually found, do you ever get the feeling that your heart just isn't in this one? I could tell you all about it, but you wouldn't listen anyway. You turn it on, but no one cares. You're sitting there in your underwear. I found that, and then I realized, like... This song has like some grit and some anger and some growl to it. And I, and I, and I realized it needed to be the second fairly new song about Donald Trump. The song is about Donald Trump. It's interesting that, you know, in 2013, this song had, had its motor, but it didn't really have a destination and it didn't really have a subject. That's what it sounds Mm -hmm. like. Totally. And it just needed a catalyst so to speak, to be a subject. Totally. One of the things that I noticed right away with this song is you have a wonderful voice and I have more of a technical question in terms of recording and putting this on tape, Mm -hmm. so to speak. How do you determine to make, or I feel like this is going to answer itself, Mm -hmm. but to when you decided to put the distortion on your voice as well as like that slap back and yeah. just very the the mod frequencies in there just mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. how do you make that decision to or do you feel like that that was like the it had to match that grit that you wanted to put <clears throat> forward and yeah. I, I feel like you know you strive very hard to maintain your voice and make sure that it is the well-tuned uh, well-rounded yeah. instrument that yeah. it is. So I, I, I guess I from myself. a... I think it just, it just, it made sense. Musically, it came out of the Queens of the Stone Age album, Songs for the Deaf. There's a song called First It Giveth. And if you listen to that, you'll you'll see right away, like Dave Grohl is playing that same, you know, he has that crazy drum beat, the, the tremolo 16th notes riding the low E string and sliding around to, to give you the chord changes. It came out of that same little volcano of guitar rock music, you know? Right. So I think it just felt like, well, I know where my melody is wanting to go, and it doesn't feel like I need, we need to change the key, but it requires me to sing very high in my range and very aggressively. And then as I started writing the lyrics and realizing, well, yeah, this is going to be very aggressive because it's about Trump. Like it's, you know, so I'm going to yeah, be yeah. expressing myself in a similar way to that single we had in and out it's not as obvious some people still won't know that it's about donald trump like they won't they won't get some of the references in there because there's some specifics but also some things that i created that felt like if i had a conversation with him like these are some of the things that i would say Mm -hmm. and i would find out new information via my inquiry you know like i'd be asking him things and he'd tell me things and i'd be like oh like sweaty skin cocaine and gin bursting with sin you know like a lot of things kind of just came out of like this feels like i'm inventing facts about him but i can lie about him all i want because he lies about everything all the time so i just kind of invented like the this gross greasy crappy person that i'm talking to and and for anyone who knows it's about trump it's very obvious but if someone doesn't uh it can be about whoever they want it to be and i'm just saying some very specific things the thing that's interesting to me is that at least in your first verse i feel like is there an opportunity for this person to be redeemed like come on at some point you had to have that turn you know seriously you weren't you weren't a shitty child this whole time right yeah you know or maybe you what well i mean looking at you you know the familial structure Mm -hmm. and and the father and yeah uh, who knows there could be but i i find that interesting you know you're would i say a newer father i i guess that's maybe not so so true anymore but um 
seeing your children grow up, I feel like, you know, there's that question there. It's like, when did things like go bad? Yeah. And, you know, was this always your your person? Anyway, I I just, I found that really um, an interesting start to it. But then, you know, and then all bets are off, I think, you know, after (laughs) that. Yeah, Um, yeah. I maybe I, I'll jump around a little bit in the song, but you know, I, I had this on repeat as I drove over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that uh, I thought was really interesting and, and I'm curious as to why um, I'll say my thing and then I'll see w- whether this, this yeah. tracks out with you. So I think it's interesting the first time that you say, turn it on, but no one cares. You're sitting there in your underwear. And I think earlier you had said that you sing, in your upper range, but this part is your, what I would call your lower range, right? Totally. So I'm almost thinking about it as like, you're expressing, you know, this is like three quarters of the way into the song and I'm like, okay, this is, not only is it your low register, but this is the low point of the song. And there, when you're mentioning that all of the instrumentation, not, not all of it, but a majority of the instrumentation just drops right out mm-hmm. and it's not only you know it's someone in their underwear but they're completely exposed right yeah and just like yeah. so I, I i it sounds like i'm i'm maybe hitting the mark on that yeah but, oh um, yeah totally. i, I totally. think that that's interesting that that's it's like not only is it your vocal la- uh, range low point but it is like the low point in the song it's like right like man look at yourself dude i love that observation because it it never gets old trying to build in as many fun and clever tricks as a songwriter you know for something where it's like this just makes sense like i'm inventing some rationale behind it and i hope that it hits you know i hope that people get it or that they you know that they like that it just felt right to keep diving down in that second chorus to give it away like first chorus is you turn it on but no one cares you know it's just sort of like it's a little like little baby chorus tag and then to finally get to you're sitting there in your underwear it's kind of just like Dude, seriously, like you've got problems, man. Like, let's just talk about this. And then the guitar solo is like the wake up call, right? Because firing into this like rock and roll, rock and roll solo. You know, when when you said that part where you go into like the tiny chorus, Mm -hmm. and then it does that dig a dig dig it. You know, the way that I think about it, uh, when I hear that, and again, I'm saying this as if this is going to be some harsh blow, but I always think of it as it's almost like a video game restarting, Mm -hmm. which. I, I almost feel like Trump always feels like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll just restart the video game and everything will be okay. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. Every and day's, uh, yeah, every day's, yeah. When you say that, on. Yeah, yeah, it's like, we'll just start this over. Um, <laughs> no one will remember really. Yeah. It does sound, you know, that that was the original idea was, was the guitar part. Yeah. And then the drum part. How did the other parts get fleshed out? around that i mean how do you usually how does that get communicated to the rest of the band or do you say just this is the intent let's figure out a part i know that mark had figured out that like the hammond organ setting on his nord electro just felt right because it's Mm -hmm. like this big like 
train horn kind of sound and if he's just like blasting through these chords and, and they're all sustained you know like he's not going dot, 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 you know like right. the drums and the guitar and and the bass are the basses for part of it so i think that that, that was really the first thing to get figured out even at, at the the inception of the idea was that it felt right for me to do that guitar part because it was like it was the beginning of the idea and it just feels like the song and then i gradually figured out that it, it didn't need to happen the whole time because that kind of thing gets really old the one two three one two three one two gets super old so james started getting more creative with how he was playing it as he was first trying to record it you know for the song for the album itself and and then i figured out a few different variations on how to kind of like chill that out so i can like start telling the story and then pick Mm -hmm. it up a little bit kind of halfway through the verse and then kind of really rifle back into it for that little interlude between the first two verses are we gonna get bored just playing all these crazy 16s like we're not a metal band we need to choose our path very carefully on this you know and then adam our our bass player he is often the first red flag if there's a red flag to be thrown you know where Mm -hmm. he's like he's like hey i I don't want this to be like too much like anything we're going to regret, you know, like he kind of, he's kind of a, a voice of, of reason and like, he's kind of a coolometer in a lot of ways. You know, he often is like, this is unlike any other Elsinore song and I just don't want it to go too far. So I think we got to be sure to keep it just inside the line of, of reason for this album. So we're not making like a Mastodon song on an Elsinore album. Like we're not that yeah. far from Queens of the Stone Age, but taking it too far and it gets too much like five Marshall full stacks and like less Paul. And it's just like, that's just way too much like, like testosterone, like nut rock, Mm. you know, like just too much of that. So Adam was really good about that. Plus Adam is primarily like a dance pop and funk bass player. And I think that that also helps him keep his parts and, and the rest of us kind of reined in in a very good way. He above all else will, will be the one to be like, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that like 16th note thing barely at all. He's like, I'm kind of feeling like a Radiohead 15 step vibe. And so he went for like, you know, purposefully like showing some love to Colin Greenwood's bass part on 15 step from mm. In Rainbows. You know, like that's yeah. that's where he took a lot of that, a lot of what he did on the record. And so I think that the creative nest that the five of us have created for ourselves is full of checks and balances and really great sounding boards where all of us can express any idea at any point and everyone's perfectly ready to be told yes or no it's like yeah man if you're like totally set on that i could be into that but like ah, i'm not sure if i like that all right well let's figure it out uh-huh. it's nice to be in that zone the band has been together for so long and the, the dynamic is just completely different from from the early days of elsinore and we're all dudes who like we don't have time for like shenanigans like we've all been in bands that didn't work out and thankfully elsinore survived first elsinore not working out and became what it became for push pull and became what it has now become for all these newer singles and for this new record i think we're all busy enough that we're like well we don't have time to mess around we got to just like make the decisions and like make a great make great music you know (laughs) which feels so good because i'm like obsessed with efficiency Mm -hmm. and obsessed with like quality and just trying to make the best the best song the best album the best music video the best t-shirt the best whatever based on how we all can collaboratively feel and sometimes you just have to be told like it's just not a really good idea (laughs) and then find a better one you know Within the context of this album of the uh, life in the 21st century, how did you decide on on the placement with this being uh, more of that aggressive sound to put it like second yeah. in the album? Yeah, like, uh, that seems kind of I, I mean, 
Yeah. It works, but it seems kind of risky to do that. Right. Like, um, yeah. You know. I mean, that was a really fun conversation. You know, Turn It On has some really big potential to reach a new audience and to really energize our current fan base. It's way more in the heavier guitar-based realm than anything we've ever done. You know, it's kind of like it kind of overtook the general, you know, from Yes, Yes, Yes. Like that was the heaviest guitar bass song, I think, to date for us. And I think that we just all decided like, well, coming out of How Could You as the, like the leadoff track, it kind of just is, it feels good to have that that crazy, weird, distorted, warbly drum thing that James came up with to start it. It kind of just felt right to go right into it and just to kind of blast it. I, I think, I don't want to say we front loaded the album, but we figured out that like, How Could You into Turn It On into the human condition just felt like we've put three of the strongest, most accessible, hmm. most potentially, uh, you know, affecting songs at the beginning. So that if someone like clicks this on Spotify or on Apple music, yeah. they're going to be like, well, wow. Okay. That was like a, a, a pretty severe turn, but this is cool. And then like, let's see what the song three is cool. It's like, it's like, it's kind of like Phoenix. Like it's, there's like a, like a little bit of Phoenix thing going, you know? So we tried to wear a lot of hats and to, okay. and to, to remain faithful to whatever the inspiration was that got us there in the first place. Every song kind of had a place that it came from and we just kind of stuck with it. And surprisingly, I think to me, Turn It On felt like it fit on the record in the exact opposite way that Get Your Head Right felt like it couldn't be on the record. Like we knew kind of like as we were hmm. writing more songs after Get Your Head Right, we're like, Get Your Head Right kind of just needs to live on its own. And then the same thing with Examples of Magnetism. And they both just told us like they needed to be singles. And so we just let them be singles. So I, th I think it's cool mm. that Turn It On, I think, like I was talking about the general from Yes, 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 I think that Get Your Head Right became maybe the biggest guitar song mm. after the general. But I think that that it just didn't feel like it should be on the record, but Turn It On like had to be. It was the one that all along James and I knew that Turn It On and, and Walking Around at Night, it was another one. That was a really, really old original idea from like, mid 2013 you know like those yeah, yeah. those both just hung around and then we figured them out and they, they they serve very i think perfect purposes on the album but they're also their own song on the album so i think that's kind of the thinking is like front loading it with the three that we all could agree on like yes that should be the one two three and then it can kind of start to continue yeah. down the album path of taking you on a journey through these 10 songs do you have a favorite line it, it felt really good to to find a lot of these lines as I like poured over them. And my bandmates are amazing and supportive. And, you know, we all love being in this band together. And it's so fun to just kind of gush at each other whenever the spirit calls. You know, we kind of just do it because we all just appreciate what each other do as musicians and and therefore this album has come to be and we are now a five piece and we've andy played with us for the great cover-up last year as the nice. smiths and i knew while we were rehearsing before we even had the performance i was just like we're gonna have to ask andy to join the band because he's a great dude like he's one of adam's best friends up in chicago plays so well learns so well is a songwriter himself has his own project and mm -hmm. anti-beyond can also sing like you know like we're yet to integrate adam and andy fully as as vocalists in the band like the three-part harmonies are coming back in a big way in the very near future so <laughs> you know so that's a really big deal james and adams uh, especially have been helping me out with a lot of of lyrical hurdles and hardships it hit a wall with a number of the songs over the last two years and both of them were totally game for just like trying their best to 
to put me in the zone where it would happen, you know? Uh-huh. And then my buddy, Alan, uh, Alan Honeycutt, who I'm in Milford Bend with, he, you know, he and I are working together on a weekly basis here in the studio as well on our music and mixing the Linnea Crux record. And so oftentimes I'd be like, okay, let me know what you think. And I would rattle off some new lyrical line. He helped me with some, some carving and crafting too. So more than ever, I, I, I now believe, sure, there are people out there who are, in their studio, they're one person. It's it's a one woman, one man show, and they they're able to just from the ground up do it all by themselves, and they can control and master everything. You know, they can be the master of of ceremonies on the, the entire process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've tried that. I always love what my bandmates do, which is why Elsinore is still together and why it has transformed the way that it has. Um, because that that collaborative nature is such a big deal and i i hate the thought of not having it you know like uh-huh. i just don't want to be like a one-man studio owning songwriting machine i don't want to like do it all by myself yeah i want people's input and i want i want to get feedback instantly and i want to get told no and then be given a solution to that no you know right <laughs> so all that being said uh <laughs> i think i i came i came to a lot of lines that i'm really happy with in this and i think that in terms of the ones that encapsulate my message to donald trump if if somehow this conversation that i'm i'm seemingly writing about could ever happen i've always been in love with you turn it on but no one cares you're sitting there in your underwear because at first I didn't know it was about him and that line came out and then I was like, that underwear line is totally like about Trump, like his late night tweeting and was like tweeting, the idea of him tweeting from the toilet, you know, that people talk about a lot, like, you know, he's tweeting on some golden toilet, you know, in, in the White House, you know. But I also, I think that the linchpin that I finally snuck in that really put it together was you're the crazy psycho killer man and we're the victims of the 21st century. I think that mm. that tied it together so much because... I'm obviously referencing David Byrne and the Talking Heads with Crazy Psycho Killer Man. I'm speaking what I think is the truth. He's a crazy psycho killer man. It let me just put this big blinking bulb of the album title into the song, which I think felt really good. And had something there previously, and James helped me, you're the Nixon of the 21st century. And James is like, I think we got to pull it back one degree. I think calling him the Nixon of the 21st century, like, dude, he's worse, right? It's like, he is worse. He's, he's mm. way worse, right? And like, granted, most things in the 21st century are way better or way worse than their predecessors from the 20th century because things are just heightened today, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's like, man, let's just like, just make us something that's like, just as great as that, but not that. I'm like, ah, oh, I hate, I hate when you say that. Just as great as that, but not that. That's the worst, but also the best. So then turning around and saying, you're the crazy psycho killer, man, and we're the victims. Like, so there's like the killer and the victims of the killer. Mm-hmm. And then it also became like just a, a perfect tie into the album title. And then the way I got to sing that, like I got had to figure out the way to kind of go into crazy, gritty, higher range and, and like lower falsetto blendy voice and just get like crazy and syncopated and and it just it just really opened it up for me and i found it i remember texting the band and saying guys i think i figured it out you you, i think i figured out turn it on i think i know Mm. what was missing in that like third verse so i think that's the one i think that's the one that really gets me excited and has kept me excited about it yeah you really uh well i would even backing up to the i can't get you out of my mind that's where you actually break voice i don't know what to call that where it's just like you're you're actually screaming, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's not, uh, yeah. and, and then it kind of, I, I even get the sense that when you're doing the end, we're the victims of the 20th, uh, 21st century, there's almost a sense of relief that you finally said, said it. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like the, yeah. the, 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 the vocal line is just kind of 
calming. I get it, yeah. in a certain sense. Right, know, right. It's just like, <laughs> finally, I've said it, you know. 21st century. Yeah. Just kind of went for like the, for like, yeah, the big, almost operatic, but gritty operatic, you know, trying to just go, yeah, this is how I feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of getting it out. There's also towards the end, did you bring in a choir? Oh, group so of people? many people. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Over the summer, I kind of realized like, I've been hearing kind of like the big theme song from from Rocky, not Eye of the Tiger, but feeling strong now, like that part. Like, I really love a good like 70s and 80s, like, like pop music, like gospel choir kind of feel. And I kept I kept hearing that with with those repeated lines in the outro of the song after the guitar solo. I thought, man, I don't want it to just be like four of me or eight of me just octupling myself. Uh, I said, I'm just going to put something on Facebook and I'm just going to try to get some people in the studio. And then there were 38 of us. I've never had so many people in the studio and it heated up from people's bodies so quickly. I'll bet. And, and, and just amazing. And just, just like use the stereo room mics in the, in the main room. And then Alan was in here engineering. Mark was in here kind of helping with pictures and get video and stuff. But there were so many of us. And I was like standing up on the bass amp right in front of the window and just kind of directing people. And since this isn't Abbey Road and we don't have endless headphones. Like everyone, I had to just conduct everyone while I was in headphones, you know? So we kind of like practiced a few of the parts and then got a big take where everyone sang the melody and and either octave that they were comfortable in. And then we like tripled that. We tried some, you know, upper third harmonies and just kind of got a lot of different things. It was so amazing having so many people there. And it was totally like a Ben Folds in concert experience for me where I was like guiding them through through a moment and everyone was on board and ready to do it. And, you know, so many people who are so close and important to me. And then a lot of people who kind of randomly showed up because they saw me post on the Elsinore page, people who are just like local fans of the band. And now I know them and, you know, we got to have this connection and, yeah. and like an official kind of meet and greet. And then to have all their beautiful voices at the end of this song on our album and to get to include like this huge list of people like vocals on Turn It On provided by, and then to list all these wonderful people mm-hmm. who gave us an hour of their time. And we just, we just sang and sweated. But such a cool experience. And that was, it was another little like burst of, of energy and encouragement kind of right as we needed it. Like right as we were about to like start talking about the Kickstarter campaign for the pre-order and, and just trying to get people excited about this record that we've been talking about endlessly. It, it was a really good way to kind of just get this additional moment of connection and confirmation and reaffirmation mm-hmm. that, that what we're doing matters and, 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 uh, and to involve a bunch of people and to get a whole bunch of people on the album what what made you particularly decide to select this song as your favorite song i'm i'm more politically minded than ever right now you know like in march i'll be on my my precincts ballot to be a precinct committee person which is like entry-level local government and you know my dear friend mike ingram who has been in the local government scene now for a few years he kind of reached out and was like hey man uh so you know, cities have precincts and precincts like have people who represent them at like monthly meetings called uh, precinct committee meetings. Your precinct doesn't have anybody representing it right now. And it seems like you're getting more and more political all the time. Would you want to do that? It's like minimal commitment, but that could be great. And is the way for you to dip your toe in to see what the Champaign County government, local government is like. And that was, that was a really big deal to me because I think that it's so easy to be like pissed off about Donald Trump and everything happening 
on that front when you know that like Bernie Sanders could be president and, and it would be a completely different world. It'd be like, it'd be like, it's a wonderful life different, you know, like A and B, you know what I mean? Like that kind of antiquated example of like what it could be versus what it is. You know, I feel a lot of those similar feelings with, with Donald Trump actually being president and that I would love for someone else, specifically Bernie or, or Elizabeth Warren, uh, those are my two choices, to, to be the president just to, just to give us a better reality. Because I right. feel like a lot of people are more tired and more angry and more irritable than, than we all want to be because there's just so much silliness and bullshit just happening where you're like i just i just i i can't not read the news because i want to know but jesus seriously this happened you know yeah so i feel like every day you know um so so i think that with all that in mind uh it just it this one coming out the way that it did and having been one of the original song ideas that just kind of had to like simmer for six years you know like right like you know it 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 ended up being you know a very big political protest song, uh, a fun one to to tackle musically. I think it brought the five of us in the band together. Considering you know Andy's only been in the band you know like less than a year, as we're yeah. about to hit the anniversary of the cover up, and Adam for just about two years. You know, like it, it. I think it really helped gel the album together because we had to figure out like what's going to make the five of us really happy on this kind of out of the ordinary Elsinore song, you know? So I think that combination of the musical journey that we took and then the importance of the lyrics to me in, in this moment right now, you know, in this weird, this weird term of his presidency. Um, I think, I think that's, that's why it's, it's one of my favorites. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Ryan, let's talk about the Champaign-Urbana music scene yeah and i think we should even is there a particular venue that you've just loved like a lot of people i i definitely miss mike and molly's i don't particularly miss the upstairs from a performance standpoint but i miss it from a a community and camaraderie standpoint and i think that the upstairs room was like the best that it could be and then and then when murph like did all those renovations it became actually really nice and like and he just knew like i should probably make it nicer up there because i'm putting a lot of shows up there you know um between him and mike ingram and, and isaac trying to just book cool shows up there 
really nice when he did the updates. A lot of good memories up there, but also a lot of like, wow, this is loud and there it's not a big room and this is wow, this is a lot, you know. Just big sweat box <clears throat> full totally. of love, you know. But but the but the beer garden has forever been my favorite place in Champagne to play. And I'm so glad that my dear friend Ann Clark, who's the manager at Seven Saints, has continued to keep that going. She wants there to be regular music all the time, but is such a busy lady with being like the manager of Seven Saints as a whole that she needs people like me and other musicians who can facilitate shows to help her do it, but is is always wanting to do as much as possible. And it's now an all ages space because it's a restaurant. So the liquor license situation is way better for shows, you know, because they can like start early and they can still go till midnight. And it's all ages all the time. The guys and I have already had two good shows the last two years. And I just love it, like acoustically in the vibe and, and just how it draws people. I know that the first one that we did after Seven Saints bought Mike and Molly's. I think by the end of the night, the headcount was 250. Like throughout the night, wow. 250 people paid to go to an outdoor beer garden show in the old Mike and Molly's beer garden space, you know? So that was great because for us, it was like, man, so happy that like we can, you know, continue to draw this way despite like Cowboy Monkey closing and, or not closing, but stopping the, the music side of things and right. High Dive becoming the Accord and then becoming nothing. Those were big losses for the music scene. I wish that it hadn't happened, but then again, like these kind of things have to happen for people to progress and to keep their business open. And if the music's not working, like they're not obligated to do anything for anybody, you know, like except for, you know, the betterment of their own well being. So glad that Anne at Seven Saints is trying to do so much and a lot of people don't even realize and like or didn't come to those shows that we did haven't gone to any shows that they have done that have not involved me or elsinore and and don't know that seven saints is is doing shows i hope everyone becomes aware so that more shows will happen but i do miss cowboy monkey cowboy monkey is is definitely how elsinore grew and grew and grew from 2004 mm. when we first played up here and then 05 when i moved here 06 when everybody else in the band moved up here we just grew our local fan base and and became the band that we were by about 2009 or 10 as we were making and releasing yes 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 cowboy monkey was like always the space and there were a lot of really great memories and 140 capacity is a really good room because you know kind of no matter what the show will go over i mean you're going to have some like weird nights where too much is going on and there there's not a big crowd and the vibe's still good but man there's like 40 people like that was weird you know but other nights it's like throughout the night 200 people paid you know because the beer garden's open you know outside and there's a line at the door and one in one out policy you know so a lot of great memories from cowboy monkey and i wish it was still a venue and that, that, it, that it had been able to survive but they had to do what they had to do you know and i wish that the accord had had survived as well if not enough people are going to shows then venues can't survive they can't support themselves you know they can't they can't keep the lights on, you know, if not enough people are coming or if they're trying aggressively to do cool things and it doesn't work. It's weird that Champaign-Urbana didn't somehow support both venues enough that they can they continued. And that's that's kind of been puzzling and heartbreaking to me that like, how does this music scene not how do we let them go? You know, how did we how do we right. let that slip through our fingers? Like like the, the number of years that we had had it so good, you know, but I do love that, like the three guys bought Rose Bowl and I appreciate everything blackbird is doing glad that the guy that those spaces are there glad glad that downtown urbana now has a significant piece of the local music pie i think it's also making a lot of us reinvent the idea of 
live show experiences the way that mm. the worldwide music community is also doing in terms of like you know like don't just have rock shows have like an art opening at the same time and have like acrobats do things and have you know have like these cool like multi-genre events which totally made james and i come up with the idea to, to do the the video release and live show at the art theater in september right. like that just came out of necessity where we're like well like what's something cool that we could do that would just give us an experience kind of post cowboy monkey post accord that made sense so i'm not like worried that the music scene is is forever less than it used to be i want it just to keep flowing the way that it is because the the ebb of the closing of accord and the demusicifying of a cowboy monkey pretty heartbreaking and and tough to get over um because i just miss i miss it you know but like City Center is pulling a lot of weight now yeah. in the wake of the Accord closing. And like we had our record release show for this record there in, in November and it went really well. And Ben and the whole staff are doing a lot to like let people know like we will happily take over the large venue role in this music scene. It's a huge place, but they're they're ready to do it. They're ready to like make it work if us and other local bands who are into it want to play there. So so lots of changes, lots of lots of ebbing, lots of flowing, and I think we all just are adapting and figuring it out. So when's your next big show? Speaking of right, so uh, yeah, February fourteenth, Valentine's Day, Elsinore which, and I headline, which is tonight. If you're listening, yeah. Uh, so when you listen to this and when it's released, that that night, yeah, is yeah. Elsinore. So you're hearing this on February fourteenth. Yeah. So and- so. Put down the recording and head yeah. over there right now. <laughs> right. Saying. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. The, the cover up starts on Friday the 7th or now I should say started on because we're now we're in the future. It was the 7th and 8th. And then I believe it's the 14th, 15th and 16th. I'd have to look, but uh, uh, 13th, 14th, got and it. 15th. Thursday, Friday, yeah. Saturday. Good. Thank you. But yeah, that's our next big show. We headline on Friday the 14th uh, at City Center. Um, As as a no. wonderful band that you can't wait to see uh, uh it's shrouded in secrecy totally always which is great uh but we're working so hard on it and it's going to be great we picked an awesome artist and uh you know just doing what we like to do and like be entertaining and be jaw-dropping and you know awe-inspiring and yeah hmm. super secretive and <laughs> yeah but you you can never do whitney again though right but which, wow. we're trying to top the whitney houston performance from 2013 yeah going for it yeah let's even dive into you've opened a studio Mm -hmm. perennial sound you said it was seven years old yeah just hit seven years last month what inspired you to have your own studio when i moved to champagne in in 05 i started gradually teaching a few guitar lessons and then that just kept picking up and then over time i was teaching 10 people and then 15 and then 20 out of our dining room you're right like we're here in this house the dining room was my teaching space and then the basement was like the elsinore rehearsal area you know kind of like classic like tapestries and christmas lights and yeah pa and just kind of going for a basement style you know we, we were finally ready to have a baby we were ready for that and so immediately we knew well the house can't be the the studio like the teaching studio and the basement can't be the rehearsal space because it shakes the whole house because we're gonna have a baby yeah, i let the baby shake the house right the, yeah, yeah totally totally right so obviously i mean the the dream i think for a lot of musicians is to have some version of a studio or at least just a, just a room you know a small bedroom in your house where you can just have all your stuff, your, all your music stuff, your gear. You can have a microphone or two. Just have some sort of setup. But I knew like 
well, you know, I need it to be big enough that I can like teach in it. The band has to be able to practice in it. And then I just started dreaming big. And then I started reaching out to like the contractor and builder community and, and started doing some research and asking questions and getting some ideas from other musicians who have or work in studios who I happen to know. You know, I got to like dream up the design for it and do some research. And my contractor and I just kind of put our heads together for like six months or so, figured out a bunch of stuff. And then broke ground, I think, right as we found out that Jody was pregnant. Like, it was like, studio, break ground. Hey, we're going to have a baby. We got pregnant. <laughs> there was kind of that moment. And then it was literally a race to, like, see what would happen first. Would Oliver be born or would the studio be finished? And Oliver came in July of 2012. And uh, the studio came in December of 2012. So mm-hmm. so the, the nine-month uh, gestation of a, of a child... Uh, out outdid the 13 month creation of a mm. studio from literally the ground up. So a very crazy year. 2012 was a pretty crazy year for me and for us, but mm. now I have it and have gradually made it closer and closer to the, the ideal paradise that I, I want as a musician and also as a private lesson teacher. I teach a ton of lessons. I teach like 50 or more lessons basically every week and I get to teach voice and guitar and ukulele and piano and songwriting mm. and music theory. And then, I help people like learn to perform and use pedals and I have a drum room. So oftentimes people just blow off steam playing the drums and we just hook up my crazy pedals and keyboards and put some mics up and just record stuff. So it's just become like a pretty perfect situation for me creatively to also own this space. And then, and then I, I mean, I love people so much and especially when I get to work with them on their musical aspiration. I try to be the person that I, I kind of needed all along and I kind of got like little bits of inspiration and encouragement along the way from a lot of different people, but I didn't have someone who played the role that I try to play with everyone I work with. It was just like, whatever you want to do, I'll try to get you there as quickly as possible and we can we can pull a UE at any point and do whatever you want to do. You can change instruments, we can do whatever. We can record it. I can teach you how to write songs, you know? like Right. So there's a lot of potential in this environment for for people to become whatever kind of musician they want to become and i and i get a lot of positive feedback about my approach and my method and my attitude and my energy toward them and like you know i took piano lessons for a while and it just wasn't fun and it was like some old lady who didn't want to be Mm. doing it and she's like you like are a songwriter and are teaching me from like a completely different angle and that's awesome you know so i get i get some pretty awesome feedback so it's working. It's like what I get to do full time. And I've been able to be a stay at home dad with not only our son, but our daughter, who's now three. It's a beautiful thing. And I, I don't take Excellent. it for granted a, a, for a second. Awesome. Well, and I appreciate you letting me come in and doing this interview, you know, in, in your control yeah, room. And yeah. I get to see all the little details that you've put in to make it, you know, a, a welcoming space yeah. and... Uh, acoustically welcoming space, right, you know, where right. it just it it has a good feel to it. Thank you. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. 
Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Ryan. Yeah. What is your favorite non-musical thing? My favorite non-musical thing. I really love being a homeowner a lot, you know? I, I think that's why... I also built the studio because it feels like, like, you know, we have this big, big old, beautiful hundred year old two story four square house. And then, you know, like this, this like garage and a half. And then for the studio to then be parallel to the garage, we have a nice little, like, it's like a compound. It's like a, you know, it's, it's, it's the Groff house as I call it, you know, it, I really like having, having, you know, the layout that we have and the studio being behind the house is this unbelievable uh, luxury to me. And, and, and again, like I just, I don't ever take it for granted because the situation is crazy and I'm so happy that we've been able to make, make it happen. And so I want to just get the most use out of it. But I, but I do, I, I really do. And I think it's, it's partially, you know, growing up with, with a dad who is the same way. Like my dad loved like mowing the lawn and like trimming the bushes and like hmm. organizing his workbench and you know like had had some obsessive compulsive things that i definitely have and, and i love having them because they they keep me organized and on top of a lot of things and i think hmm. that's why i can like teach lessons and own a studio you know it's because of because of those skills but i totally love like reinventing our old house like repainting things and like the maintenance even though sometimes it's super annoying to like think about, man, I've been meaning to fix that thing for a long time. Like I really enjoy it a lot. You know, I think that my brain is just wired in just a way that I appreciate the challenge of having this to-do list that I just move from day to day on my Google calendar where I'm like, well, I got two things on that done today. There are 17 more. So uh, we'll just keep rolling on like, yeah, yeah. I got to like finish painting the bathroom trim. Like I I haven't done that. It's been two years. Oh my God. It's been two years. Wow. You know, that kind of thing. I think that's what balances my musician brain is like, is the, the domestic life. And, and you know, like we don't go overboard on like, like yard upkeep, but like mowing the lawn is a really, a really satisfying experience. I just, I just really like it. Like our yard is just the right size where it's like, yeah, it takes me about an hour and a half and it's just really good to be out there. Like AirPods, listening to a podcast or, or, you know, some good music. Um, or like just like li- yeah. champagne is also a band podcast. Yeah. That's, that's the podcast. best podcast. This podcast. This yeah. Pod- <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, and just being, yeah, just being like out in the sun and getting sweaty and like doing upkeep on our yard that we have like worked hard to make look, you know, pretty nice and a, and a happy and safe space for our kids. So I think that's my favorite non-musical thing. Like I really love books, but I don't get to read them often enough because we've just been busy since having our son and now having two kids, like between being a musician and then a stay at home dad, like I try to set this, the time aside because it also helps my lyrical brain, but, but I don't find enough time, you know, but I do, right. I do love reading and I, I'm currently, heavily in need of of having a regular schedule for reading but you know Mm. kids bedtime is way more important than me like continuing to read some book you know and like getting family time and doing the things we need to do i'm gonna throw something out i'm so ready uh when you said that not having enough time to to read but i'm sure at some point your kids will get old enough that you'll be able to read through 
you know, you'll be able to catch up on your, your reading to a certain extent. Right. By, by reading, you know, a chapter a night to them as they go to bed. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I look back and, you know, some of my favorite times, um, although my dad will never hear this, are, <laughs> is like my dad reading through, you know, Little House on the Prairie and, yeah. and reading through, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord of the Rings and yeah, things like that. Yeah. And like, just, you know, just be like, we'll just get one chapter in or yep, something like that. Totally. Just, just slowly. But I mean, talk about, yeah. that's, you you get your reading in and yeah, you know, so. Totally. Yeah, totally. Well, the, you, you, you have like read my mind because for Christmas, we, we got Oliver the entire Harry Potter collection and we are already almost done with book two. We've been reading it like this whole month, the whole month nice. like since Christmas day. That was a really good step up from all the, the kids books and like the Avengers easy reads where it's kind of like, Hey buddy, why don't, you, why don't you read this page this time? You know, we're reading like his second grade level books. Jody was like, seems like he'd really be into Harry Potter. Let's just get him the whole series on paperback. And he's super into it. So I do feel like I am getting some actual like, value, some real like quality reading in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Ryan, thank you so much for, you know, telling me about your song, Turn It On. Yeah. And the development of a life in the 21st century and your studio and your favorite uh, non-musical things and even your musical things, the the sharing that you do of your talent with this community and um, even your non-musical things that you're going to share with this community, which is being <laughs> uh, the, part of the precinct. Yeah, um, uh, being an elected, a precinct committee yeah. person. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I couldn't remember the exact right. words, but I look forward to seeing some more projects that, that crop up and, and some things that come out of the out of the studio and um it's just really exciting thank you and i'm so glad that you have this podcast i'm so glad that you you are helping to nurture the musical community the camaraderie that we feel i mean you're you know you're exposing a lot of people whether it be locally or or nationally or internationally people are going to be finding out about some musicians that that they maybe don't know about for all of us guests who you have it's nice to have a connection with with all of them now that I have now been able to do your podcast. I've been wanting to do it for so long and now I had so much to, to get to talk to you about. Um, so thank you for doing the podcast. Well, wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Ryan Groff reminding you Great music is out there. Go find it where you live. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Studio South Speaker on the